You are listening to the Captain's Coach Podcast, where we provide top insights into sports leadership to inspire team captains to lead their teams more effectively and help coaches to systematically develop and use them. Now, here's your co-host, Luke Poulos. Welcome to the Captain's Coach Podcast, everyone. I'm your host, Luke Poulos, and today we have an awesome guest who has spent most of his professional career around legendary icons and leaders in the professional sports world. John Torin was the head of strength and conditioning for the Indianapolis Colts for 14 years, during which they won a Super Bowl under coach Tony Dungy and with Peyton Manning as the quarterback. Before that, John was an assistant strength and conditioning coach with the legendary Buffalo Bills teams of the early 90s. And today, John is the founder of Lean In Coaching and works with functional movement systems, both of which are ventures with the goal of changing the way specifically youth and young adult sports are conducted on a fundamental level so athletes can grow into virtuous leaders and holistic individuals. He has had some amazing relationships, as I mentioned before, and throughout the conversation, you will hear John touch on those relationships and what he has learned from those great examples. And, and specifically, Tony Dungy comes up a lot. We also discuss at length the importance of authentic leadership and the pathway to finding what that is for each individual leader, how coaches can facilitate that, and how to really start understanding yourself on a deeper level to discover your own leadership philosophy and how that starts to act itself out in every relationship and endeavor that you have in sports and away from sports. He was awesome to have on the show and, and really fun to talk to with all the stories and, and deep understanding of leadership in sports. So please enjoy the conversation with John Torrin on another episode of the Captain's Coach Podcast. Hey, John, welcome to the Captain's Coach Podcast. How are you doing today? Good, Luke. Thank you. Yeah, it's a great pleasure to, to have a, a Super Bowl champion uh, come, on, come on the show and um, glad you had, had some time today to come on and talk to us about some of the leadership principles and, and some of the examples you saw while you were with the, the Colts organization and, and some of the great things you're, you're doing today. So if you could just kind of give us a, a brief little rundown of you know, how your career started, your time with the Colts, and then kind of what you're doing now with, with Lean In Coaching and, and FMS. Yeah, no, Luke, I appreciate it. Um, uh, interesting. It's, it's funny, I, I, uh, <laughs> as you just said, Super Bowl kind of gave me a nice little flashback feeling, but certainly uh, uh, nothing that, you know, I was fortunate to be there with some unbelievable uh, players and, and coaches and people and, and, and be part of that. Um, and so just very, very cool thing. But, but I was really fortunate, Luke, and, um, and you know, and lucky to, to, to get where I was now. I tell people all the time, um, I was lucky in the sense that the timing and, and some things that happened with me professionally, um, at the same time, uh, I, I don't apologize for, for hard work and, and being prepared. So, um, you know, I was like to tell people, yeah, you know, there, there's luck involved for sure, but, you know, hopefully you're ready when that comes. And, and I was fortunate as the old 
uh, you know, when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. Um, so I got very lucky. I, I went to a small school called Springfield College. And um, in my time there, you know, I was studying. Um, I knew I had wanted to be a strength and conditioning coach um, at the time, um, having, having come to the, to the tough realization, like most people, um, sometime in high school, if you're a, about an average athlete at best and your gene pool like mine is kind of a swamp, you realize in about ninth grade, okay, I'm probably not going to play for the Giants, um, New York or San Francisco. Um, and so, but there are other things that, that, that we can do. And I became very, very infatuated with this idea of how do you, how do you maximize what you have, right? You have what you have, but how can we, what's the furthest we can take it? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I became very, very interested in exercise physiology and all those things wrapped around in order to pr- improve my own. Um, I don't even want to call it a football career, but that's, I guess, what it was at that time. Um, and my own, my own things I was doing from sports and martial arts and things like that and then through injury and all that. So I went to Springfield College, got very, very lucky. And um, a professor of mine at Springfield, who, who a great leader in his own right, um, who was a baseball coach, actually, um, took a liking to me in his nutrition course, introduced me to a guy named Rusty Jones, who was the head strength coach at the Buffalo Bills at the time. Um, this is the early 90s. And uh, um, I wound up going up to Buffalo um, after a lot of persistence and, and, and study and, and, and did a, uh, an internship type situation up there. Mm-hmm. The Buffalo Bills wound up hiring me. Um, uh, as an assistant strength coach, uh, not too soon after that. And I was there for a few years from Buffalo's assistant strength coach. I went over to Indianapolis Colts as the head strength coach and, and was fortunate to be there for 14 years. Um, uh, where we did some just wonderful things. And, um, after my time in Indianapolis, uh, did some things working with uh, the NFL Players Association Trust Program for former players uh, through Exos, um, helping former players in their transition um, physically and mentally into uh, the civilian world, if you will. <laughs> um, and also then really have spent the last several years fully immersed um, into the world of, of youth sports and physical education, I do quite a bit of, of, of work still in, across the leagues in pro sports with teams, in, um, uh, in workshops, consulting, helping bring worlds together of sports medicine, physical therapy, athletic training, strength conditioning, up through coaching and things like that. Um, but really I'm spending uh, a good amount of time and energy trying to um, work with folks in the youth sports space to um, really take that to how can we develop children to get the most out of this sports experience into our next, you know, into leaders after us. Um, and, and we've all seen so many things and issues in, in youth sports 
um, where people of my generation, quite frankly, have have done very great things, but have also maybe taken things a little far. If you know, you've seen what's going on out there. So mm-hmm. that's where we're spending a lot of time is trying to help help the youth coaches, help the physical education teachers, um, both in the physical and mental side of of transforming um, this 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 young adult experience. Yeah, and and I think I, I mentioned before, kind of a similar mission that that one of my previous guests Chris Moreland is on with that with the youth sports and trying to correct the course a little bit for for where that is right now and just uh, like you said taking it a little too far making kids a little more vulnerable to to injuries down the line you know missing some of the fundamental movement and some of the fundamental values and principles that that should be instilled in youth sports um, and, and we'll get, we'll come back to, to kind of what you're doing now, but obviously would love to, to hear more about your time in the NFL, uh, especially with the Colts, you know, spending 14 years as a head strength and conditioning coach for an NFL team, you know, you don't keep that job just only being good at strength and conditioning. You know, I'm sure you were bringing a lot of value in other ways as well, especially, you know, you gotta be pretty successful to have an NFL team win a Super Bowl and kind of be a, a major contributing factor there as a coach. And I know when we kind of talked before some of the questions about fundamental principles and values that, that the organization had stressing leadership and you kind of just, it, it, it was funny, you know, you just mentioned with Tony Dungy being around every day and just being surrounded by that, by that man, it was, that was kind of just the, the leadership was just exuded off of him and in and around him. So if you could share a little bit about uh, Coach Dungy and, and the effect that he had on on the players and, and the leadership inside the organization. Yeah, I mean, Coach Dungy is uh, – here's, here's how I sum up Coach Dungy all the time. Um, I tell people this. When, when, when the Dalai Lama is confused about life, he calls Tony Dungy. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and that's the quickest way I can sum up Tony Dungy because Tony Dungy is a topic that that would be a pleasure to speak about until somebody stopped listening or walked. I mean, you could talk about Coach Dungy for forever, and and not only Coach Dungy. I, I, Luke, I was so lucky. First head coach I worked for in Buffalo was Marv Levy. Mm-hmm. Another just. <laughs> Uh, no words to describe Marv, um, you know, probably the closest thing in turn, you know, probably the, the person I would liken him to. And the reason I would say this is because I know that he spent some time with him when he was a cow, but this is, this is a man that coached very similar to a John Wooden type. Yeah. Um, and, and he was there at Cal in those days. Um, or excuse me. He was a Cal when coach Wooden was at UCLA. So, I know they had chances to speak with each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then when I went to Indianapolis, Jim Moore was actually my first head coach. Bill Polian was our president. Mm-hmm. Bill's a, a, an executive who's in the Hall of Fame now, another incredible leader, incredible man. Um, uh, you know, one thing Bill used to say all the time to the team and to us is, is hey, we define ourselves, right? And so don't let outsiders define, define you. Don't let the media define you. Don't let other people define yourself and let's define ourselves. And that's what we'll hang our hat on. 
And so, and, and Jim Mora, uh, uh, former Marine, uh, Jim Mora, I'm not sure if you knew that, Luke. I did not know that. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, you talk about leadership in terms of clarity. <laughs> yeah. Uh, right. Uh, there's no yeah. gray area now. I'm sure yeah. I don't have to explain that to you. <laughs> um, no gray area with Coach Mora. Um, you knew where you stood. You knew where he stood. You knew what the ex- what to expect, what not to expect, and uh, and and discipline and 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 the way you do things the right way. Um, and that what's amazing is when Jim left and Tony took over as the head coach. You see that, and you can see this in in a lot of places, right? Um, the 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 aura of that still sticks around, mm-hmm. right? Those positive things, right? Um, regardless of who the next leader is, and then that takes on. And so, Coach Dungey came in, and and interestingly enough, so Coach came from Tampa, and um, we were so fortunate to get him. Um, I got to the Colts in '98. And then Coach Dungey was hired in o, for the O2. And um, when, when Coach interviewed with Mr. Ursay, the owner, he said right to him, he said, listen, um, the order of which I live my life, football's third, just mm-hmm. so we're clear. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. You know, he said it, 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 it's faith, family, then football. Right. It's the way I live. And by the way, I don't expect anybody in the building, any staff, any players to actually have football first. Mm -hmm. Um, If that's a problem, and these aren't his words exactly, but, you know, if that's a problem, then I'm probably not the right man for you. Right. And fortunately, Mr. Ursay said, no, 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 this is what what we want. (laughs) And, And this wasn't some interview quest, right? This is like, you know, imagine showing up to your job and going, listen, you're not a priority for me. Right. No, good, right? Mm-hmm. And so this is how we are going to lead. And, and, and so that was his, his, his uh, during one of the things during when, when Coach came around. And then when he had our first meeting, um, our team meeting, he came in and, he, and, and one of the things he spoke about, not only was that, he said this, he said, listen, guys, um, you know, I believe in faith, family, and football. I don't expect football to be number one. As a matter of fact, we're going to win here. And we're going to win in what we believe is the right way to win. And what I mean by that is this. We are going to be pillars in this community. We're going to make this city so proud of the people that we have in this room because of what they give, what they do, and how they spend time in their in service to the community and we're going to do that really well and we're going to win here because we're going to do things the right way and i'll outline what that is and he said if we win and we're not pillars of the community and we don't do things with character and we're not an organization and and, and people that our our community is proud of our families are proud of um, and our friends are proud of, it won't feel the same and it won't be the same and it won't be as good. And so I don't want to win that way. I want to win all this. Uh, this is how we want to win. And then he said, you know, by the way, there's, there's no such thing as a must win. 
and everybody talks about must wins. Mm-hmm. And he said, a must win is when the owner comes in and says to you, you're going to be fired if you don't win. <laughs> That's a must win. <laughs> he said, the other must win is either you're in the playoffs or you're not in the playoffs. Right. That's a must win. Right. And he said, the Super Bowl is probably a must win. Right. And, and that's it. So all these highs and lows, we're not going to have that. And then the finally, um, Luke, he outlined this. And, and this is where some of his, this is really Coach Dungy's core, some of his core beliefs in terms of, of, of leadership and how we operated came from. You know, we didn't have, we weren't, we didn't have any signs hanging up and quotes all over the place and all mm-hmm. these things. And we all love quotes. I'm, I love, <laughs> I've, I love quotes as much as anybody. Mm-hmm. Gunji hung up in the locker room was the four, four words. And he repeated them and he said them often. The first was expectations. The second was um, execution. Mm-hmm. Third said no excuses. And fourth said no explanations. And so expectations was here, here's what we expect to do. Here's how we expect to be. Here's how we expect you to do things. Here we expect you to behave. Here's how we expect to um, win the next game, play this way against our opponent. Um, execution is how we're going to go do it, right? Here's, you know, here's what we expect to do. Here's how we're going to go execute it. And then no excuses, no explanations. And, and Coach Dungey he said an excuse is something you make before the thing, mm-hmm. right? Excuse me, you know, before the thing. Well, I couldn't, I'm not going to be able to catch the ball today because it's wet. Uh, I'm not going to be able to kick it so well because it's windy. Those are excuses. Right. right? Uh, the bus was late, so now I'm all rattled. These are excuses. Right. Explanations are what you say after the fact. I didn't kick well today because of the wind or the, the snap was bad. or the, These are explanations. And so he said, we're not going to have any of that. We're going to take ownership to what happens. I missed the kick. I didn't catch the ball. That's it. No excuses, no explanations. Right. I was bigger than me, faster than none of that matters. Um, and so, and, and he talked all, all the time about perception and reality. Perception versus reality. Sometimes perception looks like reality and it's right. not. Right. And so those were the things that he brought um, that I think if you talk to anybody that was around Coach Dungey, probably from the time <laughs> he was in college to the current day, um, you know, and everything that comes out of Coach Dungey's mouth, quite frankly, is 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 uh, has has meaning to it. But I would say those things that I just talked about were so sticky, and that was what we always went back to. Hey, expectations, execution, no excuses, no explanations. Um, you know, do you have if you got some kind of problem? situation you got to handle with your personal life you're going to handle that first before you're going to come in into the building mm-hmm. not because i need you separating things because i know if you have a personal issue at home you're not going to be as well here so i need you to be right. well at home so you're well here i don't i don't believe that you can block things out like that right that sticks with you you know so this is this is um in short <laughs> Uh, the leadership of, of, of Tony Dungy. Yeah. And I love that. There are so many themes that I've, I've seen reoccurring throughout uh, books. I've read biographies on coaches and, and some of the guests I've had, you know, that holistic approach, football, 
being his third priority, you know, faith and family coming first reminds me uh, directly to Coach Morgan Wooten, who's a legendary high school basketball coach from, from my area. And John Wooden says, uh, John Wooden is quoted as saying he knows no one, no finer basketball coach than, than Morgan Wooten. And mm. in his book and during my, my conversation with him, he said the same thing to, to his players and parents and his administration was that basketball was never higher than fourth on anyone's list of priorities after uh, faith, family, school, and then uh, basketball. So basketball is never higher than fourth. And, and then, you know, the, the holistic, making sure you're taking, every, taking care of everybody off the, off the field, away from, away from the team, away from the locker room, making sure that's all taken care of is obviously a constant theme of, of any great leader that's looked up to or, or tried to be modeled after. And then the, the expectations, expectation execution, no excuses, no explanation. Is, it really scarily reminds me of uh, my, my coach in college, Coach Joe Valbarisi and, and Shea Mullins, another previous guest, one of my good friends. He, 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 his favorite quote is, is one of Coach A's, and, and Coach A loved to say, no one cares. And he used, that, he used it as a reference to, you know, it was mostly came out of his mouth in, in when it was negative zero, negative uh, degrees in, in our stadium. I mean, we were practicing and there was snow on the field and, and sweat freezing to your face mask. And, and he would say, you know, UMass doesn't care. UMass was historically our, our, our first opponent of the season. He said, you know, UMass doesn't care how cold it is. <laughs> the school doesn't care. No one cares about your homework or, or how hard class is right now. You know, and, and that really <laughs> resonates uh, with all of us to this day that, you know, that, that's, that really hits home to the, the no excuses and, and no explanation piece. So I love yeah. that. It's just a constant theme throughout, throughout sports and, and, and the great models of leadership we have. Was there anything specific that the Colts or, or Coach Dungy did to systematically develop leaders on the team or, or anything that he did with with the captains and how he chose them anything he did to kind of develop them as leaders or was it more of a a, a business relationship sort of thing well I, I, look every you know when when you're around you know like i said i i mean i i sit back and i can't even believe they allowed me in there um <laughs> and, you know um around these people but um when you're around a Tony Dungy, a Bill Polian and other names that guys don't even haven't even heard of, or may, you know, I mean, you know, coaches like Howard Mudd and, and, and so many assistant coaches and Tom Moore and Bruce Arians, who's head coach in Tampa now. And right. Even back to my Buffalo days with all these, you know, uh, older, just incredibly amazing coaches um, and leaders. But, you know, so every day with these people, is a leadership lesson, right? And the funny thing when you look at a coach Dungeon, Bill Polian and, and Marv Levy are about as well read. As a matter of fact, Marv was a uh, uh, English literature major. Harvard went to masters, got his undergrad at Co, and did a masters at Harvard. I mean, these are well read historians. I mean, Marv used to coach Winston Churchill, quote <laughs> Winston Churchill to the players. Wow. Um, and 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 so they're reading and looking at different leadership things and bringing people in. So, but you know, every day is a leadership lesson with them. Um, we, uh, coach Dungy, um, and used to bring in a guy and, and who was also happened to go have a, a long, uh, history with our owner, um, 
Jim Irsay, um, there's a gentleman named Joe Ehrman. And if you or anybody else hasn't heard of Joe Ehrman, um, this is one of the most amazing human beings you will ever come across in your lifetime. Joe's a former Baltimore Colt of the 70s um, defensive lineman, has a story that Steven Spielberg couldn't make a movie about. Um, just uh, mind-blowing. Um, and he, he does things now. He's, he's out uh, with his group called the Inside Out Initiative, um, trying to change the world of, of, of youth in high school sports um, and doing it masterfully. Um, and Joe, Joe's the kind of guy where when the NFL had problems, say like the Ray Rice incident or different things, Roger Goodell would call Joe in and go, hey, Joe, what do we do about this? How do we handle this? This is the type of guy Joe is. Um, moral character of the highest order. And Joe, so Coach Dungy and, and, uh, used to bring in Joe to work with the players and to work with the coaches. And I've seen Joe take old veteran coaches and, and have them think on such a, a visceral level and, 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 and peel the onion back, myself included. I've been in those trainings, <laughs> and it changed the trajectory of how I thought about coaching, how I coached after Joe came in. Um, and so I would point to Joe as one, you know, a lot of what he's talked about with players was things like, what does it mean to be a man? What does that mean? You know, and it's not what we think it is because that's been coded into us since the time we were five, you know, or something like that. Of right. you know, be this word that Joe talks about, be a man, um, and what does that mean, and what what it means culturally versus what it really means, and these other things. So all of these things, Coach Dungy um, had an unbelievable. Um, I don't even want to call it. A, you know, everybody says, oh, it's open door policy. Like, of course, right? You know, um, it's. It, it, it's, it's, you can go to coach Dungy with anything and everything. Right. And coach was the kind of guy who'd come out from behind his desk and sit next to you on the couch. Right. Yeah. Uh, versus the old time, you know, sit seven feet above you looking down right. from, right. you know, and he'd sit, you know, um, next to you and he'd listen and he was a listener. Now you better be prepared if you're going to go ask him to go change something or, 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 but, but we'll listen. You talk about a communicator, eye contact. Um, I mean, when you're in his presence, there's nothing else going on in his world anyway. It's you and what you're talking about. So having that as your leader and understanding what it's like to listen and communicate is is amazing. I can tell you on a personal level, um, when you watch, you know, somebody comes in and talks about football's third or basketball's fourth um, real quickly my in uh, uh my wife was pregnant um with our first child in, in coach's first year and long story short he had found out that i hadn't gone to one of my wife's appointments over the time um uh and then and that i scheduled an appointment also that was like you know at a time that was convenient for me that didn't interfere with work right and coach had come to find that out and, um, and my wife's a preemie baby doctor. So she like knows the deal and even was like, don't, you know, you, you don't have to worry about this one or whatever mm -hmm. it was. So coach said to me, he goes, John, I heard you, uh, rescheduled your wife's appointments or something. And you couldn't, you didn't go to one of her appointments. She's pregnant. I said, yeah, yeah. 
I said, you know, we had players or whatever it was. And he said, now I want you to listen to me. Um, you will go to every single appointment. I don't care when they are. You will not do it at the time that is convenient for you. You will do it at the time that's convenient for her. And if that means you have to leave here in the middle of the day, then that's what you'll do. And that's what's important. And that's where you need to be. So you're going to go, you go to every appointment with her. And I was like, is this guy out of his mind? Is he kidding? And because this was early on when he first got there, yeah, I'm like, is right. this a test? <laughs> you, <Yeah>. know? <laughs> you know, this is football. Like we, you know, you got to live here, right? You know, yeah. grinding, all that kind of stuff. And so I went home and I told my wife what he said. I said, you know, coach wants me to go to every appointment with you. My wife actually said, tell coach to relax. You don't have to come to every single one. You know, so I went back and I said, hey, coach, my wife said, I don't have to come to every single one. He goes, no, you're going. You're going. <laughs> so, so when you get action on top of words, you know, right. called integrity, right? Right. Yeah. That's leadership, right? Yeah, that's, a, that's a, an amazing story. And I'm sure if you, you asked any of the players or anybody else part of the organization, they would probably have another handful of stories exactly like that. And, and I think what that comes back to, in terms of and with the perspective of, of player leadership is one if you want a culture where your players feel comfortable taking leadership and and being able to make decisions you have to back up and like you said have the integrity of of your values and and back it up with those actions and I think letting players know you know this has been a constant theme throughout my conversations letting players know that you really do care about them um, and letting them know this is everybody's team and this isn't just all about success on the field or, or on the court or, or, or the playing field and the end of the season results. It's, it's about an, an entire experience uh, of doing things the right way, making sure your character stays intact and making sure you don't sacrifice things that are more important than sports just for the, the sake of success on and off the field. So I think, like you said, you know, there might not have been anything specific or overarching or you know a program of leadership but just his behaviors day in and day out and I think that's a big piece that sometimes I think gets mixed up when we talk about leadership uh the difference between personality and behavior you know somebody who might have all the the quote-unquote personality traits or, or the quote characteristics of a great leader you know might not be the greatest leader because their their actions don't really match up, you know, their, their day-to-day behaviors, their, their behaviors with their players, their one-on-one interactions and, and stories like that. But you might have somebody that you look at, you know, they're, you know, a little bit quieter, not as outgoing. They don't have, you know, a big aura about them uh, per se with their personality, but they have the behavior and, and day in and day out, it reinforces what they preach. You know, those are the true, true leaders, someone like Coach Dungy and, and, and some of the others that you've mentioned. No, you know, Luke, you're, you're, you're spot on. There's, there's so many pieces to that, right? So, you know, you hear this all the time. Everybody, you, you said, this guy needs to be a leader, so he needs to be this demonstrative, loud, right, rah-rah. That's a bunch of nonsense. Right. If that, like, we know this, right, from research. The, the motivational stuff, the rah-rah, you know, stuff has about – has a very very short life right, right. it doesn't let it 
you know, it's like the Monday morning seminar high. You go to a rah-rah seminar, you're all fired up Monday morning. By lunchtime, you're done. Right. And so the sustainability and the long-lasting effect is when you're actually learning and putting this stuff into place. So I hear this all the time. I just heard it recently at a high school. You know, this coach wanted this kid. He said, you know, I need you to be more, you know, louder and more, you know. You're, more vocal. More vocal. Thank you. Um, and my son was telling me this. and and and. It's like, that's not the kid's personality. Now you're, right. you, you've taken them out of their, it's okay to challenge your comfort zone. I'm not suggesting right. that. But you're taking them out of what they're doing and asking them to be someone else, which translated, hey, I don't accept you as you are, right? <laughs> and Yeah, and, you need to change on a fundamental level. Yeah, you need to change, right. A great point, a great, great statement. So you hear that. Now, now let's, let's be real clear on leadership. Leader, the only thing, you know, I'm stealing, I'm a, I'm a big, big, huge, almost at a point, almost obsessed with Simon Sinek. Yeah. And, and, and when you look at, um, uh, you know, he, like he says, the only thing required to be a leader is have followers, right? right. That's the only requirement. So let's be real clear and in, in an awful, awful example. But if you go down the list of great leaders, if you don't, this is horrible to say. I can't even believe I'm saying this. I shouldn't say great leader. I should just say he was a leader that had a bunch of followers. Mm -hmm. Hitler. Yeah. Like, clearly a leader, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. <laughs> totally misdirected, to say the least. Yes. But, let, you know, let's be real careful about what we're asking for. Exactly. You know, in, in leadership, let's, you know, are you leading with your authentic self with your qualities right out there so there's there's coaches that have roamed sidelines and arenas across the world that are very you know a tom landry to cowboys um chuck nola to steelers back in the day coach D coach dungy used to get when we won it was brilliant that he was um very very uh had his demeanor on the sidelines when we right. did it's like oh coach dungy has to be louder on a side right no, you know, and so there's some coaches that get it done other ways, and that's fine too. So there's no, there's no, um, this is what it looks like. And if that was the case, we'd all just go do that and be that, right? Right. right. <laughs> like, so it's, and, and I know you know this, but, but boy, it, it really stokes me all the time because we used to hear it all the time. Hey, get so-and-so to be, be more vocal. Like, right. why don't we just get him to change his hair color too? <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's about as useful. Yeah. Right. Like let's what are their authentic, awesome skills and traits that we would follow? And and let's let's capitalize on those. Right? So that's why I love team, right? Because within the team, you're gonna have exactly. the Coach Dungey wrote a book called Quiet Strength for Pete's sake, right? So um you're gonna have your quiet type of leaders you're going to have your vocal and by the way in pro sports i can assure you this they tune out loudness real quick anyway that just right. becomes noise yep and and by the way probably so do kids after a while yeah yeah <laughs> for sure and uh, i love it there's so much so much there and what you're just discussing it, you know just a, the captain's coach you know our fundamental philosophy we have two tenets that kind of really echo what you were just talking about our, one of our tenants being leadership is a, is a form of expression and you have to understand how you express yourself and, and how you are received. And it's a form of communication. 
And, and then the, the bigger piece of that, which we kind of were talking about is that leadership's an art form. And it's not the same for everybody, because like you said, if it was, if it was this cookie cutter, do, do X, Y, and Z, and you'll be a great leader, everybody would do it, but they don't because leadership is something that's hard and you have to, the, the authentic piece of yourself. If you change that, people pick up on it so quickly and they know you're being phony and they know that you're, they know that you're trying to be something that you're not. Followers want somebody who's being authentic, that authentic leadership you mentioned. And I love that you brought up the the quiet strength and how the noise gets canceled out by a lot of leaders and, and a lot of players, especially, you know, definitely at the professional level and and for a lot of people at the college level as well. You know, I had a, a guest on a couple of weeks back. He's the Sam Walker, the author of a, a phenomenal book called The Captain Class, where he kind of mm-hmm. broke down the greatest teams and dynasties in history and found the the, the one commonality they had was a, a captain and a great captain and they all had these same traits and a lot of them probably a majority of them were introverted and quiet and my favorite example of this was was tim duncan and we all know tim duncan as somewhat of an awkward person very shy around cameras isn't isn't great when when the media is around him but sam points out in the book his form of communication you know it was small gestures in the huddle one-on-one conversations and I think when coaches, you know, this is obviously just a small example, but when they ask players and people they identify as, as people they want to be leaders, when they tell them to be more vocal, what they really want, and they may or may not even be right in, in asking them to do this, and they may not see it, but what they really want is just maybe a, a better form of communication, more communication. It doesn't necessarily need to be vocal with the entire team all at once or being the rah-rah guy. There's so many other ways of being a quote vocal leader. And I think what they really mean is a, a communicative leader. Um, and, and that goes back to leadership as, as a form of expression and just understanding that as a coach and, and understanding what you really are after in a leader and what you really want from them. And then as a player and, and a player leader, understanding that's really what the the coach and and your team needs is is communication not so much the the vocality or or the the loud rah-rah like you said because there's guys on your team that are going to fill that whether that's the leader or not somebody's going to have that role that's just something that people are going to step into and there's numerous other roles that people associate with leadership but they're not necessarily what truly makes a great leader no there's no question the duncan example is great right so popovich you know, and, and we know this in the NBA, um, you know, what makes the NBA successful um, or successful teams like the Spurs is in fact that these, your best players, um, not that they're your best players necessarily, but they are an extension of the coach. So if you're the star players in the NBA um, are – dialed into the head coach and can take the message and, and the action, um, you get success, clearly talent and, and other things, but that's Duncan. That was David Robinson. Right. Um, even, even before that, you look at Kobe with Phil Jackson. And if you hear Kobe Bryant speak right now, I was fortunate to hear him speak down in DC at a uh, Aspen Institute conference. And I mean, it was almost, and I know he's his own man, don't get me wrong, but the way he spoke about 
the lessons he learned from Phil Jackson and how he tried to impart those on young guys. Um, you know, this is, this is a, a good recipe. The not being yourself, the phony thing, and boy, look, we've all, I say we all, many of us um, have gone through that. I know in my young days as a strength coach, I tried to be who my mentor was, um, not, not just in how he did things as a coach, but like in his personality, right? right. I mean, it would be the point where, you know, if he wore two left sneakers, I'd have done that, you know, right. and then right. it became, okay, I don't have to be him, even though he's got an awesome, and part of it is because, hey, this guy does everything right. Well, there's the recipe. I'll just do that. Right, right. You know? And even use his jokes, all of it, you know, right. and, and then you go, you know, I can, I can learn from him and hopefully be even close to as good as him um, within myself. And then, you, you know, and, and I think many, many go through, you, you look at Bill Belichick will try, will tell you that, um, or, you know, he, he probably tried to be like Parcells a little bit too right. much yep. until he realized I'm Bill Belichick and that's going to be awesome anyway. And, and he, he leads a different way than, than Parcells in many cases. And in some cases simpler. And, 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 I think that brings up one of the main points, Luke, is it's like know thyself, right? So you got to get real introspective and real um, and, 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 you know, okay, you got to know yourself. Well, it's easy to say. What does that mean? Like, and so, you know, I, I've done a lot of work to get to, and, and, I'm, and I'm not done and will never be done, um, but to get to know you know, why you exist, who you are, why you get up in the morning, why should anybody care? Um, and, and what is your philosophy that you bring and where does that even come from? Right. And so you have to get to know like your personal philosophy. You have to get to like, you know, what are these qualities that, that, that I, you know, if you take a, 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 a way that Jack Canfield um, describes it, you know, what are, what are these two qualities that you enjoy most expressing in life? And it's probably who you are authentically, right? And how you show up. Yep. And so how do you bring that to the world? And so when you know what, when you're so sure of who you, what you're about and who you are, your philosophy, when you look at um, great, great sports psychologist named Mike Gervais, um, who's out in California, you know, He'll, he'll ask you, what's your philosophy? And he and Pete Carroll have this boiled down into a wonderful program. But when you know your philosophy, that's how you'll lead, right? So when you take a Pete Carroll, for example, Pete Carroll, his philosophy is always compete, right? Always compete. So what does that mean? Well, compete as a human being, compete as a football player, compete in the classroom, Compete as a husband, as a father, as a relative, as a son. Be the best. Like compete to be the best. Right now, Pete brings that as a leader, and that oozes out of him. You may not have that as your philosophy, but if you believe what he believes, then you know authentically that he's bringing this always compete mentality, and this is the leader. You're like, okay, I can compete in my next exam. Right. And so that's his. Right. I've, you know, I've boiled down my philosophy to two words of, of, of persistence and empathy. And so I try to, I'm not perfect. Of course not. Um, but I try to come at, 
at, at my coaching and life with persistence and empathy along that journey, right? Of, 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 of that um, feeling, trying to put myself in the other person's shoes, but being persistent of the principles and the values that we bring. And so when you can get real clear on your own, then you can go lead. Like when you look at these leaders, you can go down the line and be like, I know exactly what these people stand for. Right. Even if you don't use their words, whether it's a coach K at Duke, John Wooden coach with love, whatever it was, you can point and get real damn close. Even if you don't know them. Right. That's an author, you know, Bill Belichick, you know, this guy is smarter in situational football than most anybody is. And so he, that's one of the ways he leads is like, we're going to be unbelievable in situational football and not screw up and do the right things and be smarter and better than our opponent in the situ, in these situations. Right. It's one of the many reasons they've had so much success. And so when you are clear on that, Luke, and, and I've just come to learn, like, I didn't know any of this in my twenties. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Um, but if, if there's, if there's 20 some odds listening uh, to this, the sooner you could get clear on that and it, it, then you'll, and then you can bring it. You can't bring what you read in a book right. to it over a sustainable amount of time. If it, if it doesn't, and it, it, it's gotta be something that resonates with you and that's what'll come out. And you point to, you know, if, if, if I brought up the name, uh, 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 if I said Peyton Manning, okay, everybody's, he's famous for his preparation and work ethic. Well, if you don't think that's how he led, you'd be mistaken. Jim Kelly is famous for his toughness, right? And that's how Jim led. Right. Right. And so they were, they didn't walk, Peyton never walked around saying, look at how great I prepare, right? At this thing. Look at the work ethic. Never, not one time. We just yeah. did it. You know? and, that, and that's, that's such a, a good piece, you know, definitely you have to find out who you are and, and you know, it sounds like a simple question, but it's really not. I love um, uh, Jordan Peterson always has a thing, you know, if you think you know yourself, you don't because you know, <laughs> we can, we can barely program a, an alarm clock or a microwave and, and human beings are a gazillion times more complicated than that. So <laughs> like that. He, he, it's, it's a hard process and it, you know, reminds me of a conversation, one of our last episodes I actually had with Ben on the podcast about storytelling and, and the story you tell yourself and your own story and, and having to break that up in your psyche, understanding, you know, your conscious, you know, what you're aware of, the thoughts that you have, but diving down and being able to, to penetrate your subconscious. And like you said, finding out what your philosophy, what your virtues are, what guides you. Once you can I, I begin to identify those things, your decision-making becomes really easy. Mm. Um, it, easy in that you can be sure, not easy as in, you know, you know this is the, the right thing to do. It's going to get you a great result and you're not going to question it, but, but easy and you're not going to question it in terms of this is who I am. This is I'm being true to myself. I'm not going to regret this decision based on the outcome because I know I'm, I'm making the right decision. Um, and, and that's definitely a big piece of leadership and, and knowing that you can go into every interaction with a teammate and with your coaches with that philosophy in mind and knowing, Hey, this is how I conduct myself in this situation. This is how I help people with their issues. This is how I prepare and set an example for my teammates. 
you can do that and identify what drives you and what those those underlying principles are inside of you, it it makes not it doesn't make leadership easy, but it makes the decisions that you make as a leader easier. It makes you more comfortable, makes you more at ease with your decisions. And I think that it, it definitely reflects everything that you were just talking about for sure. And it's great you brought up uh, Peyton Manning because I was going to ask you, you know, who do you who you thought in your opinion was one of the best player leaders that you ever experienced firsthand and and kind of what made them so great as a leader yeah you know oh god so many guys i mean yeah sure oh, um you know you talk about a reggie wayne who was a wide receiver for us um in indianapolis just an unbelievable leader um i'll tell you something interesting i was so lucky when i was in buffalo i was there to the end of the careers or at the end of the careers um, or toward the tail end, I should say, of guys like Jim Kelly, Kent Hall, Bruce Smith, Thurman Thomas, all these guys. Jim Kelly and Kent Hall, um, quarterback and center. Kent was a center. Um, he's since passed on. But um, uh, quiet, humble, tough leader there. In Indianapolis, Jeff Saturday and Peyton Manning, ironically enough, probably two of the strongest leaders on our team um, throughout the time there. <clears throat> um, uh, and for different, for different reasons. Um, and, and, you know, again, Peyton's preparation, his work ethic, his honoring of the game, right? His, his respect for the tradition, the history, mm -hmm. the present and the future of the game is so apparent. Right. And so, you know, he's in awe of, of, of the, the, the guys that came before him, um, not just because he grew up with his dad in that generation, but before that and, and how it, it came to be. But his respect and honoring of the process of, of how you prepare and how you play um, to every minute detail, to leaving no stone unturned. Right. And here's how I would define great, you know, there's a lot of definitions. Peyton, like many, many great leaders, um, made both inspired and actioned, I should say, everybody around him to be better. Now, I'm not just talking about players. I'm talking about coaches. I'm talking about the cooks. I'm talking about the janitors. I'm talking about the HR people, the marketing people, it doesn't matter. And so if when you're around somebody, like if you didn't have your A game around him, I'm not going to say he didn't have time for you, <laughs> <laughs> but you better bring your A game. Um, that's what he expects and demands. And, and by God, that's what you're getting out of him. And you'll get his support and his respect and everything else. But you better bring, you know, as a strength coach, you know, what do we, you know, you let's, is this, is this the best thing we could be doing? Is this the latest, greatest, safest, best thing for me and the team? Is this, you know, and so if you don't have your A game, if you're, you know, he'll find a, he'll find a typo on page, you know, 47 of some manual that doesn't even matter. Not because he has a, I got you mentality. Right. Because he leaves no stone unturned. Right. And so, you know, 
even the bus driver, you know, and, and so, it, and you would have to, to the point where he could exhaust people that couldn't or didn't want to keep up with that. And so I don't say that in a negative light, like to me, that's inspiring as hell. Right. Yeah. And so, but you better bring it like you better bring it. Um, and, 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 uh, 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 Jeff led in, in a, in an unbelievable way with, with, um, with empathy and love and, 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 and the way Jeff went about things with toughness and just the mindset he had as a former wrestler, you know, and, and, uh, kind of this, you know, Jeff was a free agent, you know, this walk on mentality, yeah. um, grinding and working and, and, and being about the team and, and all that, you know, and, and when you have a culture like we were fortunate to have that was built um, by Bill Polian, by Tony Dungy, Jim Caldwell after that um, as the head coach and this culture that exists, it becomes their team, right? Mm -hmm. So Coach Dungy used to talk about Chuck Knoll, the former Pittsburgh Steelers coach all the time. And Coach Knoll made the Steelers about the Ste – it's funny because one of the greatest coaches of all time, four Super Bowls, et cetera, Chuck Knoll, you hear very little about him. Yeah. yeah Never hear his name, right? Because Chuck Knoll didn't make it about him, even though he was the leader. It was the players' team. And the players are going to take autonomy and ownership under his charge – and, and be safe to make mistakes and do these right. things. And so that's what will happen to the point of this. I'll tell you, uh, I got two unbelievable Jeff Saturday stories. I'll tell you one now and one in a little bit. Jeff, there was one day I got, I was really mad at this one offensive lineman, this young, young kid. We, we, we drafted big kid. Uh, we thought he was going to be a really great prospect for us. Um, and the work ethic was just, it was just not there and, and we thought it would be and all that. And so there was this one day I had had it with him at this point. And so I cut my blood was boiling this one day. He was doing something and, and uh, I started yelling at him pretty good, which, which uh, I'm not proud of, but started really getting after him. And, you know, and it was all based on, on the work ethic. And it was so different than what we had. Like, I'm like, you can't even, you don't even know what it, this team is about, you know, yeah. and you're not going to make it with that work at, not on this team. Right. Sure. And so Jeff Saturday saw me yelling at him and Jeff goes, John, what's the matter? And I said, ah, you know, I guy, I'm had enough of this guy, you know, it's been weeks. He hasn't changed a thing. No matter, you know, he goes, and he kind of very easily said to me, kind of patted me on the arm, shoulder. And he goes, I'll take care of it. Don't worry about it. I'm still screaming. I'm like in a fit. Like in a yeah. rage. And he goes, John, 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 settle down. We need you for, we need you for everybody. Just settle down. He goes, I'll take care of it. Don't worry about it. And I go now knowing Jeff, as I did, that's, you know, Jeff's word is his bond. And so I'm like, okay. And I didn't need Jeff to do my dirty. I said, no, I'm the coach. I'll, you know, so I'm like, I'll take it. No, no, no. I got it. No, I'm the coach. I'll take it. No, I got it. Okay. And, and, and so Jeff, I watched Jeff walk across the weight room, went over to him. I saw him have a low-key conversation with the guy, but very stern and serious. Yeah. And it probably was, I don't know, no longer than three or four minutes. 
And I never had a problem with that guy again. <laughs> Ever. Incredible. And that's leadership. Yeah. That's when that, you have that really is. That really is. So that, that's, uh, it's, it was one of my favorite days, actually, believe it or not, as a coach. And it was nothing I did. It was seeing Jeff handle handle the culture of the team. Certainly better than I was handling it. <laughs> yeah. Did you ever <laughs> – that's funny. I'm sure, I'm sure you were a, a much bigger factor than, than you even realized today. Did you ever find out what, uh, what Jeff ever said to the kid? Uh, all I know is this. He said um, – uh, John, I know a couple things that he said, somebody had asked him whatever. And even the guy had come up to me later and kind of said, and he was new around there. And, and, and one thing I was for, you know, I had, I had respect from a lot of guys. And Jeff said, um, hey, man, you're going to do what John tells you to do, how he tells you to do it. Um, we trust John. John is, is, helps us and all these things. He said some things. And, and don't let me find out you're not. And if you want to be here and you want to be part of this offensive line, I need to know that you got work ethic that can keep up with the rest of us. Because in November in New England, I got to know I can count on you. If I can't even count on you in here, how do I know I can count on you in New England in November or the playoffs? Right. Right. So, so some stuff like that. Yeah. And I think that that comes back to, to kind of a, a base value or fundamental of leadership that you, you can't lead from a place of of authority where people are, are scared to not do what you tell them but but rather that they would be you know disappointed in themselves if they didn't live up to the expectations of their leaders kind of like what you were pointing out with with Peyton's example of you know he just demanded excellence in everything and it wasn't that people were scared and that he was just going to brush you off as a nobody if you weren't excellent, but you just kind of felt like, you know, you could be doing better and that you didn't want to let Peyton know that you, that you were leaving something left in the tank or that you, you know, you weren't being as excellent as you could be just because of who he was and you didn't want to let him down as, as a leader. And it's amazing that his, his influence was outside of the team and reached, you know, everybody he came in contact with throughout the organization and that example of Jeff is kind of the same thing. I'm sure the kid didn't walk away thinking, you know, looking over his shoulder every five minutes. It definitely had a deeper impact of, you know, he was going to do it even if Jeff wasn't around. He was going to do it if nobody was around from that point on because, you know, he had that voice in his head uh, of somebody that he looked up to and was as a, as a leader and someone he knew was looking out for the best for him and, and for the rest of the team and everybody that was part of the organization. And, and like you said, you know, that that truly is – leadership and what's it what it's all about oh there's no question you know it's funny just a stupid example like you, you, i don't know if you've seen a Peyton commercial where he's on the bus with uh who's the singer oh my god um the country singer oh brad paisley yeah yeah so brad yeah. paisley and then the latest one he, he's or i don't know if it's the latest one but um and he's like he tells him to try this playing this song after whatever the words he was saying yeah and then he goes no try it in try it in the e key or whatever he's saying <laughs> the first thing about music but, but yeah yeah uh, uh you're trying the e key and he's like no nah, e would be too high right and he goes not for me right <laughs> so it's like 
he'll even tell a great country, even though I know it's a commercial and a script and yeah, all that. Yeah, yeah. It's a but it just, it, yeah, it really just does reflect his, his overall personality <laughs> and, and his leadership attitude. That's great. I love that. That it's just, yeah, just, it, that is truly someone staying authentic themselves, even when they really don't have to on a camera. That's great. <laughs> I love it, John. Uh, I don't want to take up uh, too much more of your time, so I got uh, just a couple more questions for you. But uh, before before we get to those, do you have any other advice for for team captains out there, or any players or coaches that are kind of trying to uh, develop their own leadership skills, or or kind of inspire the the players on their team to to become better leaders and, and kind of give an example for them? Yeah, you know, I think as we were talking before, I, I can't stress it enough. So, you know, we talked about Simon Sinek before, and, 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 and if you go back and, and, and look at his work, which start with why, right? Um, whether you read his book, whether you watch his, his talks, um, or go through the, 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 the curriculum as I've done, um, and, and, and others have, um, and find out, you know, it's very, it's very in vogue now for people, oh, what's your why? And I, I'm not sure that, you know, you know, we got people out there saying, you know, why they deadlift. Like, that's not a why, right? Um, uh, you know, a why comes from your past, right? And, 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 and how you show up, right? And so, and that stays with you, and that's what you are. So, the suggestion is really to go back, understand what, you know, why do you get up every day? So, even like, um, and, and why do you do what you do, and why should anybody care? what is your, what is your philosophy? What do you bring? Right? What are these things you bring? So if you were to ask your closest friends and, you know, describe, you know, what are the, what are two words or three words that you would describe me as? Right. Um, and, and, and figure out what is, if this isn't easy now, this isn't something you're going to do over lunch, right? right. This is a lot of work. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I've done this, you know, for years, I, I'm still tweaking words and different things for myself. Yeah. Um, but hat and, and, you know, so what is your, why, what is a philosophy? What is in fact your just cause? What is your, your, your cause out there that this, this future self wants to see, right? My just cause as I sit here today is to transform the, the youth and young adult sports experience so that we can grow and develop virtuous leaders who are a force for good. This is my just cause as I sit here today. Different than your why, different than right. your why, but your just cause. So figure that out now. As you alluded to and said before, actually, Luke, what I love is this. Once you can articulate that to yourself, what all that is, as you said, boy, does your decision making and how you filter things become so easy. But what does that mean? You know, Ray Dalio wrote a whole book called about principles yeah, yeah. Well, it allows you to make principles of how you make decisions. Exactly. It really allows you to make your core values. One of my core values is my family comes first in my decisions. So if somebody asks me to do something work or otherwise, if it doesn't affect the time with my children, um, then I'm, I'm happy to do it. Um, if it, if it, if it will affect that time, I have a decision to make. What am I going to do here? Or am I just not going to do it? But I know this is a core value that I stick by. And I'm simply just going to say no to this at this point. Or, or whatever the case is. What is your core value? You know, um, 
uh, one of your core values is to um, is to trust the process. Then when you're going through and, and learning things, then, then, then slow cook it and, and trust the process. Don't, don't chase the next shiny object. Trust the process of what you're doing. So develop your core values, get your why, get your philosophy, get your just cause. I'm saying stuff like fast forward, right? This will take yeah. a lot of work, but I promise you when you can articulate that stuff and then your core values, then you can establish your goals, right? So Joe Ehrman talks about the difference in, in purpose and goals, right? Yeah. So everybody thinks winning is a goal. Winning is the purpose of sport. It's not. Winning is a goal. Right. The, a purpose is is a belief or a vision. What you know? Why you do something? Mm -hmm. um, a goal is just something you put your effort and energy into. So Joe would make us, and and I'll give you four questions for coaches to answer right now that will help any captain or any coach. Um, and I, you can just flip the words to, and I do, I use these everywhere, wherever I go speaking mm -hmm. and working with people and they're right from Joe. I just change the word coach if, if it's not coaches. So yeah. the first question you ask is why do I coach? Why do I coach? So if you're a captain, Hey, why, why do I <laughs> bad English here? Why do I captain? Right? <laughs> um, you know, what is it, you know, why should, why do I even do it? Was I just voted because I'm popular? Was I voted because yeah. Cause I could throw the curve the best. Yeah. Uh, is it, because that doesn't necessarily make you a great captain. Mm -hmm. Right. And so why do I coach? Why do I coach the way I do? Or why do I captain the way I do? And here's the best one. Uh, I shouldn't say the best one. Here, here's, here's a cool one. How does it feel to be coached by me? Like, would you want yeah. to be coached by you? Yep. Would you want you to be your captain? Yep. Um, and that gets into the whole empathy side and things like that. And then how do you define success? And so I would, I would implore um, folks to answer that. Um, if I'm speaking to a bunch of teachers, I, why do I teach? Why do I teach the way I do? You know? um, and so those are things that I would, I would highly, highly ask folks to consider doing for themselves and for the people that they um, – affect every day from their family to their teams to whoever. Yeah, I love all four of those questions and and definitely a constant theme throughout this conversation has been really understanding yourself, staying true to that and just exuding that in every interaction and and back to one of the words you used before the integrity to continue to exemplify those values and those principles and I love these four questions uh, especially the the how does it feel to be led, you know, coach or captain by me and one of the things I probably stole it from somebody but I love just you know the idea of being a leader or a type of leader that you would want to be led by mm -hmm. and if you can if you can honestly answer that question and say yes I would follow myself and how I'm behaving and, and how I'm leading then you're you're definitely off to a good start and I think those four questions you know if you're a coach and you're just starting off you know building a, a program from scratch or, or continuing on a program success or it's your first season as a leader, as a captain, you know, these are, these are questions that you, you definitely need to answer um, or it's going to be tough. Your decision-making is going to be tough um, for sure. So great, great advice, John. Uh, that, that is awesome. Four questions. Those are definitely getting, finding their way into the captain's coach philosophy somewhere. I'm sure after Ben hears this. So um, uh, been great talking to you and I guess got to get, put you on the spot here with my favorite question because it changes every time. 
you know, we've, we've talked a lot about around, you know, different factors that make it up, but what is your definition of leadership if you had to put it in a, in a sentence or two? Yeah, that's a, that's a great one, you know, and that's, it's, it's so, it's funny, you know, it's, it's a, it's a tough definition, right? And I think some of the best ones I've come across could be via, um, your world in the military um, through assignment Cynic, but I think as a leader, your job is to take care of the people in your charge. Take care of the person to the left of you and the person to the right of you. And you know the person that you can turn your back on and they got your back and you have theirs. And once you know that, because it satisfies our most fundamental human need, of safety, right, and certainty. Right. Um, and once I know that I can be vulnerable with you, I'm safe to make mistakes. That means I'm safe to take risks. Everybody thinks it's a, it's a, no, I'm safe to take risks if, if I'm safe to take mistakes. And, and so the leader's charge is to take care of the person to the left of them, the person to the right of them. And, and, and as I mentioned before, by leading as their authentic self, inspire people to take action in their authentic self, um, in, 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 in whatever it is they're going to go do. And so that's the job. And, and all of this stuff isn't about kumbaya and hold hands and everybody's going to be positive and skipping around the garden. It's not what I'm talking about. And it gets misconstrued a lot. Um, oh, it's soft or it's, it's not. It's, 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 it's how you operate for sustainable and long-term success. Um, it doesn't mean you don't have unbelievable. Who's more disciplined than our military? Nobody. But, I, I, you know, you can tell me certainly. But I'm, just, I'm just a huge, uh, so much respect for, for the military. But... Um, you know, who's a better example of, of, of taking care of each other than the military. And, and it happens in, in the military. It happens in locker rooms across the world. Um, and it's that you got my back and I got yours. Um, and I know I can count on that. And that's, that's what it takes. And then the skills, you know, and you have to work on it. You have to work on it. You can't exercise once and be fit for life. Right. You can't read a leadership book and think you're a leader for life. Mm -hmm. You know, so, you know, tough, tough, tough to define, but really not. It's, it's taking care of those in your charge by, by giving them whatever it takes to help their success and yeah. the success of the group. Yeah. And I think that's, that, that's what it really boils down to John and I, and, you know, coming back to another tenant, of leadership at the captain's coaches, you know, leadership is a service. Well, first and foremost, mm -hmm. you, know, it, you know, coming back to the followers and, and followers being such a big piece. And I, I've said this a couple of times on the show and I forget where I get it from, but you know, if it, you're a leader without followers, you're just walking. <laughs> that's right. Um, it, that's really what it starts with. And, and I love it. I'll come back to Sam Walker again too, in how he was talking about how the captains and the captain class, that he looked at and how they led. Um, and it was related to, you know, why 
you know, the best player on the team isn't always the greatest pick for a leader, but basically what it came down to was that the captain of a team and, and a leader in general needs to be somebody that is taking care of everyone else and everything that they don't need to be paying attention to. You know, it kind of comes back to everyone doing their job and, and what you were saying, leaning on each other. The captain is the one guy that everybody, the one guy or girl that everybody can lean on, that everybody knows is going to pick up where they missed, that everybody knows they can be vulnerable to. It's not just the, the one guy in, in the locker next to you and, you know, nobody else really leans on him or, you know, they lean on him for one thing. The captain gets leaned on for everything. Yeah. By all of their followers. So I think that's a great, a great definition and really boiling it down to, to that for sure, John. Um, and then before I let you go, you know, we talked about a, a couple different books on the show, you know, start with why, uh, obviously a big one, uh, quiet strength uh, by, by coach Dungy and the captain class. But, uh, before you, before I let you go, I got to get, uh, at least one, uh, of your favorite quotes from, from either coach Dungy or any of the guys you've worked with or, or from any kind of author or anything you've heard. One of your, one of your favorite quotes on leadership. Cool. Well, book, yeah, book wise. Yeah. Certainly start with a lot. I would recommend inside out coaching leaders eat last by Simon Sinek, a book that yeah. changed my, uh, a lot of my thing. The reason, one of the reasons of two that I named my, what I do now called lean in coaching comes from Ryan holiday's book called the obstacle is the way. Yeah. I love it. I love uh, it. Yeah. I love Ryan holiday. Yeah. And a friend of mine always would tell me that all the time when I'd be uh, anxious about doing something. He said he would always say to me, "Just lean into it. You just got to lean into lean yeah. into the thing." And and so that's where that comes from, and and all that. From, quote wise, yeah, I mean, um, certainly out of out of obstacle is a way. You know, the impediment to action advances action, which yeah. stands way becomes a way. Is love that. Phenomenal. I heard a quote by the head football coach at Iowa State University a couple of years ago. His name is Matt Campbell. And, you know, again, it's very in vogue to, for everybody to talk about process, right? Trust the president. It's almost become a joke with the yeah, 76ers. The process. Unfortunately, yeah. <laughs> um, I'm not a Sixers fan per se, but, you know, they, it, you know, like a lot of these things. But anyway, the quote is this, and it's awesome. And it's, and it's real and it's true. And he said this to the team. He said, if you fall, if you fall in love with the process, eventually the process will love you back. And, and that's a message in our fast Instagram world now that, you know, slow cooking is the sustainable model. Um, you know, people tell oh, you hack this and hack that, and that's wonderful. <laughs> um, but really to, 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 you know, you don't just get a black belt when you show up for a week, right? Mm -hmm. Like you got to, you know, you go, you, you want to lose 30 pounds. If, if you fall in love with that process, eventually that process will love you back. It'll happen. Um, uh, so that's one, one of my favorites uh, as well. Um, you know, when you talk about a team, um, you know, uh, I think it's an African proverb, but to go fast, go alone, to go far, go together. Right. You know, um, and Coach Dungey used to just say, funny, all the time Coach Dungey used to say, hey, we're going to just do what we do. Just do what we do. Right? Simple. That's Coach, yeah. right? Just, yeah. Just brilliantly simplistic, which is yeah. typically the best stuff, right? Right. It is, isn't it? <laughs> brilliant. Only it. brilliant people can be simple. That's why the rest <laughs> of us struggle with it. Exactly. Well, that's what, that's what uh, you know, Einstein, you know, his, his goal was to just make everything as simple as possible and then make it simpler. 
right, right, right. Yeah. And it, it, it's tough. And like you said, only brilliant people. But uh, I really do love that quote about the process. Uh, if you love the process, eventually, if you fall in love with the process, eventually, the process will love you back. And I love right. it, especially today, you know, in sports and, and even in the fitness world, you know, everybody thinks that you, you get success and you know, a couple of weeks, a month, a season even, but it really is, you know, it's not instant gratification. It's, it's a long-term process and struggle and, and fight to get through it. And leadership's the same way. So it is, it couldn't, is. couldn't have said it better self myself, John. And, uh, I appreciate you coming on the show. I've taken up way too much of your time today, but it was a, it was a blast having this conversation with you. So I really appreciate it, John. Um, and yeah, everyone keep an eye out for, for lean in coaching and, and uh, FMS out there. Um, but thanks again, John. I really appreciate it. Oh, thank you, Luke. Really appreciate um, the time. Uh, most importantly, too, to, to you and Ben, thank you for your service as well and all your brothers and sisters out there, too. Well, thank you for your support, sir. And uh, I hope you have a, a great rest of the day. You too, man. Thanks for listening to the Captain's Coach Podcast with Luke Poulos. If you liked what you just heard, please give us a five-star review on iTunes and check out our website at captainscoach.com. Join us next time for another edition of the Captain's Coach Podcast.